You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Omar Canillo, Brand Marketing Director at Foodix. Omar, welcome to the podcast. Let's hear your Thank first you. insight. First insight. It's, it's a challenge for most of the companies. I mean, sourcing marketeers for a niche business. I'll give you an example, just like Foodix, where we provide services to restaurant owners. Not every marketeer has that experience, the industry experience, right? And for you to be very much effective and efficient in your marketing activities, you need to understand their pain, you maybe to understand their business and operation. And this is what makes you a successful marketer, and this is how you can move the needle in your company. And this is a challenge for every company. So industry expertise for the marketeer is essential and crucial. Yeah, it's a great point because a lot of us go into marketing, we take it in school or we take courses, and then we become marketers. But the companies that we are working at are marketing, let's say, food industry software, or you're marketing, let's say, some kind of other technology or home services or whatever, and you're not an expert in that thing. So how do you at Foodix go about educating your marketing team into the actual customer's problem and getting inside their head? There are multiple ways how we can do this and how we actually do this. First of all, we have lots and lots of discussions around the industry internally. We discuss, we read, we do the desktop research, and we try to learn more about our customers' pains. We also do social listening where we look at communities, uh, what they're discussing, what problems they're discussing. Uh, we look at closed groups such as WhatsApp. For example, there are WhatsApp groups that, that has more than 200, 300 business owners discussing issues and challenges on a daily basis. So we make sure we get into these groups, we open discussions, we talk to our customers, we, we have meaningful conversations with them, and this is how we build expertise. One way we try to do this as well is onboard restaurant experts in the team, the partnerships, for example. We, we have a partnership manager who has been in the industry for 12 years in the hospitality and restaurant operations. Yeah, this is how we, we enrich our, our industry knowledge. So it's an interesting cat and mouse game because on one hand, you can hire somebody who has expertise and teach them marketing or teach them sales or whatever that trade craft is. Or you can hire someone who's really good at marketing or really good at sales, etc. and teach them the, the trade, the, the business itself, in this case, food. Have you found one or the other works better, hiring a marketer and teaching them the craft versus the other way around? Well, a smart marketeer is, is a business guy, supposedly. I mean, marketing is sales or business development with a pinch of creativity, if you want to call it that way. So that person should be able to, to understand different businesses and different industries. Uh, if you hire people from the agency side, they've worked with, with multiple industries and multiple brands, and this makes them ready to learn new industries, right? This is one way to do it. Another way to do it, you don't have to do neither. You can just bring someone with expertise. The idea is to give access to your team, to someone who's willing to discuss or to, to vet the team 
24-7, right? And yeah. for that person to be on your payroll, maybe, or on a consultancy agreement. And this is one way to do it. Yeah, and, and I'm imagining constant education, especially in a, in a space like yours, where there's a lot of innovation. I'm sure your product evolves and gets better all the time. So it's not just enough that somebody, let's say, worked in, in the food industry seven years ago. They have to know what's happening today. They have to know how it's changing. And it's, it's changing very rapidly, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Especially since uh, COVID hit in 2020, things have changed dramatically. Restaurant owners who did not depend on technology felt left behind because the consumer behavior has changed. Also, the relationship with their suppliers, with their partners have changed. Technology now took over. And um, for example, if you don't sell online, if you don't have your own app or your online ordering, or if you don't have a contactless payment solution, you will look like a dinosaur business. Absolutely. Did you notice a big change? I mean, you're in the technology world, but you're serving restaurants. I'm not even sure if you were around. Let's see here. You were at, you were at Foodix for three years. So I'm guessing that overlapped with COVID for sure. What right. was that like working inside that industry? It's a roller coaster. <laughs> I'll give you a quick, a quick brief. I joined before COVID hit in one week. So I was planning, okay, let me let me join that that brand. Let's do some some good job. Let's build the the content strategy. Let's build the brand strategy. Let's build the team. Let's. This was in like February 2020. Yeah, that was March, beginning wow. of March. Yeah, 2020. I was based here in in Los Angeles, and I moved back. I used to live in Saudi Arabia before that. So when I arrived, I was wearing gloves and mask. <laughs> <laughs> so we went in, I met everyone like touchless. And um, yeah, one week later, COVID hit and we noticed the panic because there were government restrictions on stores, on delivery, on everything. And like it was a very, very severe lockdown. Uh, the first thing we did is we did a community gathering, a meetup. It was over Zoom. We had around 1,000 business owners join that call. And we had, we had industry leaders join and share experiences on what they're doing with sales because, you know, the restaurant business is very much cash flow dependent. If you don't sell for 14 days, you're, you're, you're on the risk of, of maybe shutting down your business depending on, on your financial situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, business owners are always, are always on the hunt for insights, information, they they are very much like a community, a very close community, very well connected. They ask each other about their sales, daily sales, their weekly, monthly sales, about new trends, new restaurants opening, especially in, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. It's a very good F&B market, very much innovative, and you would see new concepts opening day over day. So, um, and this is this is very, a very dynamic business where you as a business owner, need to keep an eye on what's happening to protect your business. What What's it like in a vertical software business where you are developing software for one particular type of industry? How much of that business is about word of mouth and referrals and reputation versus sort of hand-to-hand combat type marketing where you're just doing traditional marketing? Because if you're selling something that can be used by every business, 
it's like you you have a lot of different ways to target. But I'd imagine that in your business, you really have to depend on your reputation because it's kind of a close-knit community, as you said. Is that is that true? That's very true. The way you build your positioning is by connecting with the community and position your brand as the expert brand and the brand that really cares about their business. And this is how you build the relationship and you start getting people recommending your software application. But I have to say that your product needs to be good enough and your after sales support needs to be good enough as well. Yeah, and I'd imagine customer success plays as much of a role as new business development because maintaining those clients, keeping them there, upselling, cross-selling, and getting referrals is probably a big part of your marketing strategy in addition to just bringing new leads in the door. Absolutely, because you just named it. It's called customer success. Means they are there to play the role of the consultant to help business owners succeed in their business and mitigate risks, right? So they need to play that role. If they fail to play that role, then you're doomed to failure. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. One more thing I'd love to touch on. You talked about, in one of our earlier conversations, you talked about growth and thinking about growth in the Middle East and across different markets which is obviously going to be different and unfamiliar to a lot of our listeners who are in North America and the UK and Europe. How do you think about growth? You're based in Saudi Arabia, in, in Riyadh. How do you think about growth in the Middle East? I mean, is, is the market quite the same there? Is every country different? How do you approach that? Well, globalization is turning every market into a lookalike of the other markets, right? So behavior is becoming a little bit the same. Yet, I'll give you an insight on the uh, market in the Middle East, especially in the GCC and Saudi Arabia. It's a growing market. It depends on its own resources. So, I mean, yes, it is, it is an oil and gas country, yet the population is big and growing. Like You have around 40 million plus between expats and locals. And... Um, they de- depend very much on local services. I mean, people live there, they want to go out, they want to work. So the market is somehow self-sufficient, unlike other countries who depend a lot on tourism. So Saudi, in its uh, 2030 vision, it's going towards diversification between oil and gas, business, manufacturing, petrochemicals, tourism, and other sectors as well. It is growing. People there love innovation. They love to try new things. They're very much of business people. They love to invest. They love to create success stories. And they have the expertise and the global mindset. They want to go out. Like You see businesses born and raised in Saudi, but growing into international markets, just like Foodix. We serve, we serve businesses in more than 30 countries. So this is how it looks like in the Middle East. And we're very welcoming and hospitable. So welcome, everyone. <laughs> and, and 
One more question on that. In terms of, obviously, there's a language difference, but aside from the language difference, are there differences in the demographics, behavior, sort of consumer archetype versus what you might find in in the U.S.? There are cultural differences, yet, as I said, globalization is just globalization. I mean, being itself, right? I see see, uh, a lot of similarities in the consumer behavior between the people of the Middle East and the US and Europe. Um, Just little differences on their preferences, right? But they almost shop the same. They eat a little bit differently. They eat a lot better there. I love Middle East food. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Middle East food is really good. I mean, I'm from Lebanon. The food is really good. But Saudi, Saudi has done a lot of progress on food it's so good there yeah so so back to your question i don't see a lot of differences in the consumer behavior especially in the last two three years we're getting very similar across the globe i mean you've noticed this as well and maybe in europe we're the same as the middle east as the us and other areas of the globe yeah it it is really true globalization the whole social media making the world a smaller place. The fact that I talk to people on Twitter and on LinkedIn every day from all over the world. And I'm often surprised. I'll have a conversation with someone and I realize, oh, this person's in Sweden. This person's in Amsterdam. This person is in Jordan. And they're all kind of the same when you're speaking to them because I think social media actually makes the world a lot smaller. That's correct, especially when you're in business. Working people like us, in the tech industry or in kind of uh, global industries, we speak the same language. We have the same concerns. Like right now, you're in Canada. I work in Saudi Arabia. We have the same challenges, right? Yeah. In terms of business, how to acquire customers, how to retain customers. That's the business model being copied across the globe, subscription business. That's that's yeah. one of of the the businesses that brought the whole globe together. Absolutely. We 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 all speak the same language. CAC, churn, LTV, it's all the same thing. Okay. <laughs> Growth, burn, return ad spend, retention, dollar churn. Yeah. Yeah. You see these metrics everywhere. Omar, how does business intelligence affect the health of the marketing? Things like CAC, LTV, churn, and all the stuff that you're looking at as a marketer. It's about being the expert, right? When it comes to positioning, you need to be the expert in the business for your customers to trust you and to subscribe with you. I mean, I'll give you an example for us as Foodix. If we just sell the software application on subscription basis, and we don't know what the industry needs, what a business owner needs, and how they operate their business. We won't be able to set up the product the way it should be. That's number one. So from it impacts the product. It impacts the customer acquisition as well. Like what messaging should go out? What resonates? What value proposition would be most attractive to your audiences, right? how the copy should look like, understanding the business, understanding the pains, understanding segments and the personas you're targeting, right? will allow you to acquire customers at a much cheaper price. It will drop your CAC, will drop your cost per qualified lead. It will drop your qualification if 
your sales coordinators know how to handle the pain points of your customers. And like customer success, absolutely having having your customer success agents working as consultants, knowing the business, they will be able to guide the business owner and maybe upsell them into solutions. And this will uh, bump up the average revenue per user as well. Yeah, you need to be taking the friction out of every piece of the customer journey in your product. So as you were describing, ensuring that you have a really good familiarity with what the client is doing, what their immediate challenge is, what is it about your product that might prevent them from using it and and really getting inside their head. And it could be something as simple as you offer a mobile app and they prefer a a browser-based tool or, or, or something like that. So you know, and even I've even had experiences, for example, where there's a piece of software that I like to use, but it doesn't integrate with the other software that I use. And so I say, well, I just right. can't use it because it doesn't speak. So all those things make a difference, right? Absolutely. And at every every part of the life cycle of your customer, whether on the acquisition phase, on onboarding, onboarding experience is very important. It will impact your MPS. It will impact the perception of of your client towards your brand. And even afterwards as well, it will impact the lifetime value of your customer. That's great. Anything else you want to cover, Omar? I would say again, if you want to succeed at what you're doing, if you have a niche audience, uh, you really need to learn more about the business. You need to get hands-on. You need maybe to get an internship at one of your customers and, and consider it a master's degree. Very true. Uh, you, you, you do need to get a master's degree in understanding your customer, whoever they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Omar, thank you so much for joining and sharing your insights today. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time, John. I enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.